Greetings, greetings once again to all my enemies and all my friends. It is the Weekly Worldview, and I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Welcome back. It's the show where we don't take calls. We don't tolerate sponsors. But we do help focus you on the the events of the week through the lens of original thought. And want to start first with a few corrections from last week. Somehow I misspoke last week, and I kept calling John Bolton Michael Bolton, (laughs) which I don't know that... I don't know that that's a terrible offense, but I'm sure Michael Bolton has done less harm to civilization. Actually, it's probably a toss-up. Michael Bolton being a product of the pop culture, John Bolton being a product of the war culture, who's responsible for more death and destruction, the pop culture or the military-industrial complex? Well, actually... uh, While we can't hold either one of them accountable for all of the death and destruction, there's no doubt that the pop culture is responsible for more death and destruction in American society than the the military-industrial complex, so I guess we have to apologize to John Bolton, oddly enough. Uh, Anyway, and I also, for whatever reason, I kept calling the Dobbs versus Jackson decision overturning Roe v. Wade, I kept calling it the Dobson decision last week, and I'm not sure if that was a Freudian slip related to my my tendency to associate the capitulation by the pro-life movement on the right to life in favor of the overturning of Roe, which is what happened. The pro-life movement capitulated on the right to life in order to achieve a political victory in the overturning of Roe v. Wade. And for some reason, that reminded me of the name Dobson. James Dobson, focus on the the whole thing. It's like a Freudian, I apologize to, uh, I, I think I would have to apologize to Dobbs on that one. So sorry about that, if there was any confusion. And also last week, I implied that the last time the Christians allowed ourselves to be ruled by the criminally insane, was at the end of the Roman Empire, you know, with the thousand years of darkness that followed that. But I should have mentioned the Lutherans in the 20th century, and not just the Lutherans, but all of the Christians in Germany in the 1930s, because that was really the last time the criminally insane were allowed to take control of the government, or at least you know, control a, a, a nation of real significance to Western civilization and, and, and the world at large. That was the last time. Now, that reign of terror lasted 12 years, four months, and six days. February 1st, 1933 to May 7th, 1945. And through the bravery of men aided in no small measure by the enormous capacity of the remainder of Western civilization to simply produce more steel and gunpowder faster than the enemy. 
a capacity willed, by the way, to that generation by their fathers and grandfathers. By all of that, mostly the production of steel and gunpowder, civilization was spared a thousand-year Reich. And the civilized, meaning the remnants of the Christian West, were forced to ally with and eventually tolerate the wholly uncivilized communists who by the end of just one century murdered more than the barbarians, more than the Romans and the Nazis, all three combined. As I've said before, history may very well judge World War II a mere battle in a much longer war between the forces of light and darkness. A battle that, while technically won on the ground by the forces of light, eventually that battle contributed largely to our eventual defeat in the war. The bigger war. The one that was pointed out by C.S. Lewis in uh, The Abolition of Man. Pointed out by Francis Schaeffer. In the book I'm reading now, How Shall We Then Live? That war, the big war, the long war, the one that was far more significant than World War II, the long war between good and evil. So so there's some, uh, that's housekeeping from last week to start the show. I want to open with the conviction, the conviction of Stephen Cannon in the death of retired St. Louis Police Captain David Dorn. I'm a little offended at the way Fox, the, lo- the local Fox station in St. Louis, reported this. They say a jury convicted Stephen Cannon in the death of retired St. Louis Police Captain David Dorn. So I wanted to say that just to see if you noticed. Did the death of? Really? The death of? That would be like... Uh, you know, cancer was found to be responsible for the death of whomever. But this was a murder. This wasn't just the death of David Dorn. This was the murder of David Dorn. So I'm offended that the urinalists at Fox 2 in St. Louis use such a passive voice. I, it's... Uh... Anyway, the murder is scheduled to be sentenced September in sometime in September because for whatever reason we can't get to it till September. Even though it's only July. David Dorn, you'll remember, was murdered responding to a burglar alarm during the riots surrounding the unfortunate drug-induced death of uh Saint what's his name? The the the, the saint who died there in uh Minneapolis, I can't remember his name. George Floyd, St. Floyd. St. George Floyd's drug-induced death in Minneapolis led to riots. David Dorn, a, a retired police officer, responded to a burglar alarm at a friend's store, and he went, and looters murdered him. Listen to how Fox 2 News reports this. David died on June 2nd, 2020. He was fatally wounded when confronting looters. Just very passive and pathetic and weak and effeminate and sad. And don't forget, the primary reason that the murderer in this case was convicted was that David Dorn, David Dorn's murder 
was live streamed on social media as it occurred and it was recorded. That's how we know who did it. Otherwise, he would have just been another sacrificial lamb offered up in the midst of a... I mean, what what I would call a, a... the equivalent of a religious sacrifice carried out in a frenzied pagan ritual that occurred between the end of May and the beginning of June 2020 in the midst of the pandemic that we were all so scared of. The pandemic was paused for this pagan ritual in which David Dorn was sacrificed publicly. Disgusting. And because David Dorn was publicly sacrificed during a frenzied pagan ritual, I predict that the temple prostitutes who murdered him will not see justice. At least not until there is a change in the priesthood. Of course, it's not difficult to predict that any given murderer will not see justice in America today where it's just a system. That's not a difficult prediction to make. But in this case, it will be doubly offensive to the actual high priest. And I will also predict that there is a change in the priesthood coming. It is coming and it's coming at us and it's been coming at us for quite some time but while it moves that change that's coming while it moves toward us we look to the decline and fall file where Miriam Webster the dictionary has revised the definition of female in its latest version of its online dictionary that is so easy so easily changed it is uh, eminently malleable now, the dictionary, because it's online. It's not published in a book every year. And so as goes the malleability of electronic media, so goes society. So be, be careful and concerned with that as well. The dictionary now states, in the matter of moments, a stroke of a few keys, the dictionary now states the definition of female as, quote, of, relating to, or being the sex that typically has the capacity to bear young or produce eggs. Typically. (laughs) Uh, Typically. Wow, you caught that. English, not even the first language of my extremely attractive audio engineer. Uh, She caught that, the insertion of the word typically. Yes, that's the one. Uh Uh-huh. It used to say of, relating to, or being the sex that bears young or produces eggs, but now it's just typically has the capacity to possibly, maybe, depending on your opinion and how you choose to identify. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. We can't put all that many words in. Let's just go with typically. Has the capacity to. And so, uh, and then there's a secondary entry. A secondary entry, I said. Uh Uh-huh. That's right. Eh, Under female, the the secondary entry, quote, 
having a gender identity that is like opposite of like male? Question mark. All right, I'm embellishing a little bit. The secondary is having a gender identity that is opposite to male. Stated as if we're supposed to take that seriously, which is why I had to read it as if that cannot be taken seriously. I'm sorry. We refuse to take that seriously. But there you have it, the decline and fall file. The dictionary can change in a moment now. And it is changing. From there we go. Let me drag you kicking and screaming into the bad religion file where Michelle Obama has a new book coming out in the fall. Michelle Obama. You remember her, right? She's the first lady. That means she's married to the president. Okay. Michelle Obama, new book is called The Light We Carry. Oh, uh, what? Huh? Did, what was that, Michelle? The Light We Carry. That's the name of Michelle's new book coming out in the fall. Now, Michelle Obama may or may not be aware that the title of the devil in the Bible. <laughs> now, a lot of people think it's his name, but it's not his name. Because it appears that the name of the angel who fell in the Garden of Eden has actually been blotted out of the historical record, blotted out of the scripture, blotted out of the Bible. It appears his actual name isn't there. But his title is there, and it's Halel in the Hebrew, Lucifero in the Latin, Lucifer in the English, and it means light bearer. Light bearer. So Michelle Obama is probably not aware that she is taking for herself and for her readers the sarcastically applied title from the Bible that God applies to his adversary, Light Bearer. Michelle Obama basically identifying herself with Lucifer from the bad religion file. Maybe unintentionally, but possibly intentionally. I mean, it's like the days of Noah right now. I mean, nobody's trying to put a mask on their Luciferian tendencies or their satanic religion. There's no need to, to make it up anymore or to, or to paper it over or to hide it at all. Because we live in a generation so far removed from our Christian heritage that you no longer have to hide the fact that you're in league with Lucifer himself. Worldview. I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Yes, that's right. The Alliance with Satan. Now a positive. In fact, an alliance with uh, Lucifer might just get you a book deal. Huh? Hey! Yeah, actually, actually, it just might, right? I mean, in the same way that in the, in the distant past, 
kind of fringy rock groups would get record contracts based on their alliance with Satan. Now the current and former president of the United States can get a book deal. She doesn't even have to have a pentagram tattoo or anything like that or the earrings or the or the or the torn clothing or the bad makeup. <laughs> Just an actual Luciferian association right out there in public. Anyway, that moves us on right now into the science. Really file where the new web telescope the new Webb telescope is out there just doing what it does. It's unbiased. And then the data comes in and it's uh, churned through the likes of Rohand Naidu from Harvard. Rohand says that uh, the Webb telescope may have found the oldest galaxy. The oldest one, I tell you. It's, it's the oldest. That's right. Rohand says that this galaxy of which the Webb Telescope unbiasedly snapped a photograph. This galaxy dates back to possibly just 300 million years after the Big Bang, which is like almost immediately after. According to Rohan Naihu, I'm sorry, Naidu, I apologize, uh, at uh, the Harvard University. <clears throat> so, you know, his credentials can't be questioned. He's from Harvard. <laughs> He said, uh, yeah, uh, the more distant objects are from us, the longer it takes for their light to reach us. And so, <laughs> to gaze into the distant universe is to see into the deep past, I tell you. <laughs> Unquote. And he says that as if he has proof of that, which he does not. But he states it as if it's a fact. And since he's from Harvard... The uninitiated among us are not allowed to question it, but I am allowed because I know more about this than uh, Rohan Naidu or anyone else at Harvard. By accident, I know more about it than they do. So I'm allowed to speak to that. <clears throat> Let's see. Uh, ScienceAlert.com reports that one of the promises of Webb is to find the earliest galaxies. The earliest ones! Formed after the Big Bang 13.8 billion years ago, unquote. ScienceAlert.com states that as if it is a proven fact. And you know, all that proves is an old axiom that I was taught early on in my career when I went into sales. I was taught, not intentionally, but uh, uh, through... Observation and osmosis, I was taught the number one lesson in sales. That the best salesman tells the biggest lie with the most certainty. That salesman will make the most money and make the most sales. The one who can tell the biggest, fattest lie with the most certainty. And that's been proven here by the folks at Science Alerts. And Mr. Rohan Naidu of the Harvard University. That, uh, you can bamboozle the, the most people when you can tell the biggest, fattest, broadest, most bald-faced lie with the most absolute certainty and never, uh, never a hitch in your gait as you move across the... walk around on the surface of the earth upon the face of it, walking up and down upon it. 
Meanwhile, in the widespread hypocrisy file, from the widespread hypocrisy file, Joe Biden has tested positive for COVID. Oh, yes, that's right. Now, I'm not going to express any alarm at the fact that an 80-year-old guy has contracted COVID-19 because he hasn't contracted COVID-19. He's contracted whatever is the latest variant on the SARS-CoV-2 virus that emerged a couple of years ago, which is now endemic and it's basically a cold. Everybody's going to get it now and then from time to time for the rest of history. So let's not freak out that the president has COVID. Oh, no. Kamala Harris is a heartbeat away. It's okay. It's just a cold and it's not very bad because that's the way these things go. And that's the way they've gone for centuries, even millennia. And we all knew that until, okay, I'm not going to get into it. Uh, I will point out the hypocrisy of Joe Biden and everyone associated with him and the Trump administration, by the way who flipped out and got hysterical over a, a, over all this. Okay, I will point out the hypocrisy. Joe Biden was going to shut it down. He said that if you get the vaccine, you won't get infected, nor will you pass on the infection. But one thing I will say about this particular little cold bug is that it seems like the people who are vaccinated get it a lot. In fact, it seems to me... In, if I, if I count on my hand to everyone I know who's vaccinated, they've all had it in the past six months. And none of them have died or anything like that, but they've had it, okay? That's all. Me, I haven't got the shot. I haven't had it. My extremely attractive audio engineer hasn't had the shot, and she hasn't gotten it. But everyone around us has gotten it, all the vaccinated people. Okay, so we're going to point that out. We're also going to point out the Pfizer ad. That's a part of every story on Joe Biden coming down with COVID. Have you noticed this? The Pfizer ad stuck in there? Well, I started a, a, a regimen of uh, Plovaxacloxaville or whatever it is. The, the, he started his uh, regimen of uh, Pfizer drugs. I'm not going to name it because they don't pay for advertising here. So I'm not going to promote the uh, whatever drug uh, Biden's on. Some pill that... Uh, some pill that Pfizer got approved that's now everybody's taking. Well, everybody who's anybody, anyway. If you want a part of the, part of the club with the cool kids, when you come down with your post-vax, post-boost case of uh, coronavirus, you get the Plovaxamaxafroxamlid that, uh, <laughs> that Pfizer has a patent on it. And all of that. All right, so there we have from the science... No, that was from the wide head, widespread. <laughs> I apologize, but kind of bled over into the science. <laughs> really, file with the whole vaccination and that old deal. All right. From there, we go into the widespread panic file where yeah, Deborah Burks has written a book. And so now she's out promoting her book and unintentionally revealing that she's a liar and a hypocrite and one of the most effective salespeople on the team. One of the number one producers, Deborah Burks. Why? Because she just flat out made stuff up in the spur of the moment when she was able to manipulate and take advantage of the emotions of people, which is when you can make the most sales, when you can build people up into an almost hysterical emotional state and then take advantage of their emotions by lying to them mostly, then you can close sales left and right. Trust me, folks, I've been in sales for 20 years. I know it's true. 
Why do people think used car salesmen are sleazy and nasty? It's because of that. And that's why I've always taught the people that I train in sales that the object of sales is to persuade someone to do something that they don't necessarily have to do today. And in fact, they don't even necessarily have to do it at all. You have to persuade them to buy that thing without lying to them. And if you can learn to, that, to do that, you can be a successful salesman. Uh, or you can just manipulate people's emotions, take advantage of their emotions, take advantage of their unfounded fears, and you can, you can sell that way too. And then, of course, you'll be despised by virtually everyone who knows you, including possibly your own children. But you'll make a fortune. Uh, so for that, we, for an example of that, we go to Deborah Burks in the widespread panic file where she has now made some admissions in her new book that, uh, well, first she admits that the coronavirus may have been created by scientists working on coronavirus vaccines in a lab in China, maybe in Wuhan, possibly. Yes, that's in her book. Uh-huh. She also admits in her new book that her and Fauci were essentially shooting from the hip when it came to making up directives such as, you know, two weeks to stop the spread, six feet, social distancing. They made it all up. And she admits it in her new book, accidentally admits by simply recording what actually happened that, yeah, we pretty much made all that up. The 15 days to stop the spread, Burks writes, no sooner had we convinced Donald Trump to implement our version of the two week shutdown than I began trying to figure out how to extend it, unquote. She writes that in her book. So not only did we make it up out of whole cloth, we immediately realized that this is the greatest thing we've ever discovered in our lives. It's like absolute power to do whatever we want. We're like the authors of a Spider-Man comic book and we get to write history. How do we, how do we make this last? They just made it up. Uh, they also made up the six feet social distancing. Yeah, how do we know that? Burks writes in her book, I had settled on 10 feet. Why? Because I figured that would be palatable for most people, and it would be high enough to allow for most gatherings of immediate family, but not enough for large dinner parties, and critically, not big enough for large weddings, birthday parties, or other mass social events, unquote. So she just made it up. She wanted 10 feet. They ended up settling on six. Why? There is no reason why. They were writing a, a, a Spider-Man comic book. They were given the, the, the reins of, of control to the entire world. And they just, uh, they just wrote it, man. It was a ride for a while, and it was wild, man. But they pretty much just made it up. And Donald Trump went along with it, and, well, pretty much everyone went along with it. And everyone who did go along with it is going to be fairly embarrassed at some point that they went along with whatever part of it they went along with, but they all went along. And so will they be allowed to recover from that? Yes, they will, because being a liberal means never having to say you're sorry. You never have to say you're sorry. You never have to admit you're wrong. It's like what they're doing with the justice system. It's like what they're doing with the justice system. They never have to admit they're wrong because most of the people who know they're wrong will have been killed, will have been murdered. Listen to this. From the justice file, a crew member working for Law and Order. Law and Order, I said. That's the show, Law and Order. Not actual Law and Order. <laughs> this is a crew member working for Law and Order. Was murdered in Brooklyn. 
A 31-year-old married father of three was saving a parking space for crew members. And he was murdered, possibly in a dispute stemming from a, a parking dispute. So a parking dispute becomes murder on the set of Law and & Order, and the suspect, has, as we go to tape, has not been captured, and they're just making it all up, and the victims just keep piling up. That's Anthony Fauci, Deborah Burks, Rochelle Walensky. They're all stars. That's right. Appearing in their own version of Superman, Spider-Man, DC, Marvel, all mashed up into one, controlling the fate of civilization as they manipulate and take advantage of the unfounded fears of people being bamboozled by some of the greatest salesmen in the history of sales. Uh, how they close that one, I will never know. I certainly wasn't in the room. I didn't sign on. All right. But uh, now we moved, out, we moved on to justice. And so it, as we analyze the landscape in, of the, that the, 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 actually the dystopian hellscape less left to us by the justice system that we all have to navigate every day. We go now into the Rage New World file. Not a brave new world, but a Rage New World. Where the New York Post reports that an Oregon father was gunned down, murdered in a road rage incident. Why? He accidentally splashed windshield wiper fluid on a passing BMW. That's right. The driver of the BMW became enraged, started following him, eventually stopped parallel and opened fire. Killing the guy who was just hitting the windshield wash. That deal, you know. Sometimes the wiper fluid squirts over, especially when it's windy. And in, in weird situations, the, the fluid... Well, I've had that happen where somebody sprayed me with the fluid. And you have to hit your wiper... And in this case, now, you just, just open fire. I mean, if you're having a bad day. If you're having a bad day, and then there's the fluid incident, and after all, you're driving your BMW that you just paid to have cleaned and detailed. Meanwhile, in Iowa, the heartland, officers have found the deceased body of, which I don't even want to name the guy, a 23-year-old murderer. He appears to have uh, suffered, listen to this, the, the way Fox News, all these urinalists, it's as if they want to hand civilization over to the madmen. And in order to do that, they're going to remove the meaning from everything we read so that we don't actually know what's going on. I mean, I'll know, but the people, the kids coming up, the kids who think Merriam-Webster is an online dictionary and now think that women typically... Uh, females typically can produce eggs or identify as those. They're not going to know what's going on because the urinalists have removed the actual meaning of all the words. 
Uh huh. Uh, here's the Fox headline: Iowa park shooting leaves three dead. Huh? What does that mean? What's an Iowa state park shooting? Actually, they 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 use even more words than I included because I was trying to encapsulate it for the sake of brevity because I only do a one-hour show. But the entire headline reads: Iowa state park campground shooting leaves three dead, comma gunman also dead. What does that mean? <laughs> Who's the killer? Who's the victim? Was the park murdered? Was there a campground? Is there a campground on the run somewhere? Is there a shooting that's been detained? Who's been left dead? Anyway, uh, after the Iowa State Park campground shooting left three dead, officers found the body of the killer who appears to have suffered a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He experienced a self-inflicted gunshot wound, may have suffered. Um, and then the police say that there is no danger to the public. That's nice, unquote. That's. I'd have to disagree. I think the public has never been in more danger on a regular basis, whether in the state park in Iowa or at the grocery store or in a movie theater ever before ever. No one's we've all never been in this much danger. That's it. And as a result of the modern religion that Francis Schaeffer refers to in the book that I'm reading, I have to go back to my. Do I have my notes from the top? I have to go back. Francis Schaeffer, The Religion of Personal Comfort and Affluence. Is it personal comfort? I can't remember. I was supposed to look that up and I forgot, but it's, it's like that. Basically, as long as I'm allowed to be comfortable and affluent, I pretty much don't care what happens to the rest of society or my neighbor or if children are being butchered in a medical clinic down the street or if my liberties are stripped from me one by one and I'm locked in my house, I don't care about any of that. I don't care if my rights are stripped from me, my neighbor's rights are stripped from me, as long as I'm able to stuff my face and feed my eyes and satisfy my own personal appetites and lusts, and I'm allowed to be affluent, then I really don't care. And that's what's happening. We're in the midst of the civilizational collapse that Schaefer forecast at the end of his book, How Shall We Then Live? I recommend the book if you want to understand how we got where we are right now from there. If you want to know where there was. Because for the kids coming up with the Merriam-Webster on online, they don't even know where there was before. In fact, they're only aware of what's now and what I want right now and what I can stuff in my face and into my eyes right now and how I can spend all the money I have right now. An affluent, apathetic, extraordinarily, personally comfortable generation. And that apathy uh, produces violence. And the, the generation that is so apathetic and so affluent, they're not going to understand why it is the violence that throttles them unexpectedly, surrounds them and then consumes them. They're not going to understand why. And I'm here to tell them why. 
Francis Schaeffer's there to tell them why. C.S. Lewis is there to tell them why. The Bible is there to tell them why, if they can even comprehend it, and I'm afraid they probably cannot, which is very sad. When you come to a point where all the words have been drained of their meaning, and the meaning of life has been reduced to simple appetites and lusts, then they will not comprehend. They will not comprehend from whence they came to where they're going. And they won't comprehend, for example, the leading cause of murder in the world from time immemorial. The leading cause of murder is sexual immorality. That's the leading cause. But instead, they'll read this headline. Man runs car into family near Glacier National Park and kills two with shotgun, police say. What does that mean? What do all those words mean? There's so many words. The Washington Examiner reports that a man drove his car into a family walking near Glacier National Park in Montana, shooting at them with a shotgun, killing a toddler and one other person. That man was later killed by one of his intended victims, a woman who had previously had a relationship with him. So what happened was a sexually immoral situation developed between a man and a woman, and it eventually led to murder, as it so often does. And because of the sexual immorality that these people participated in, David Siao, 39, and his 18-month-old daughter Mackenzie were murdered by a man who was fooling around with the girl that this guy was having sex with. They were all, yeah. Christy, the woman who was fooling around with the two different guys, she was also shot and critically injured injured as she was holding on to her daughter. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> she was the killer's ex. Or possibly just his side gig. Possibly. But there was a situation in which a number of people were having sex outside of marriage. They brought a child into the picture. That child was eventually murdered at the hands of one of the people involved in the sexual immorality that her mom was involved in. And the young people should know that if you get involved in that, you put yourself in danger and then you put other innocent people in danger. Like this mom fooling around, cheating, having whatever, ends up getting her daughter killed because she's a slut. And she doesn't even know she's a slut. She doesn't even understand how dangerous that is because of everything I referred to before. Detectives, according to the Washington Examiner, detectives are working tirelessly to find all the details and the circumstances surrounding this horrific event. But even when the events and the facts of yet another murder stemming from sexual immorality, are known by the detectives and cataloged quite accurately through the very hard and determined work of the detectives, once all the facts are known, they will never be broadly published to the public as a cautionary tale against sexual immorality because that's verboten. You're not allowed to talk about that. We're not allowed to figure it out. When the kids ask, what the hell's going on, we're not allowed to tell them. Because that might restrain their freedom. That might offend their freedom of expression, which is sacred. 
In the meantime, let's go deeper into the urinalism file. We've been talking a good bit about the urinalists who are draining the meaning from everything so that none of us know what's going on anymore. We have from the Buffalo News, the headline, listen to this headline, rare for shooter to be stopped by bystander. That's the headline. Rare for shooter to be stopped by bystander. At which point I ask, what is this headline for? Why would you publish this headline? Why does anyone need to know or even think about whether or not it's rare or common for a madman to be stopped by a good guy with a gun? It's because the people at the Buffalo News, the urinalists and the professors who produce them through whatever movement happened at the university, they want you to ponder this. Why? Because they're evil. Anyway, here we go with the story from the Buffalo News. A bystander's decision to shoot a man who opened fire at an Indiana mall was a rare occurrence. That's how they opened the story. It was a rare occurrence. Then they mention that, oh, police praised the quick action of 22-year-old Eli Dickin, who shot and killed the 22-year-old maniac after he had opened fire and killed three people at the mall. He was brave, they said. The police said many more people would have died last night if not for Eli, a responsible armed citizen. The police chief even called Dickon a good Samaritan and heroic, at which point the young people with the Merriam-Webster online, they were like, what does that mean? What's a Samaritan? What does heroic even mean? I thought heroic means you, comes out, you come out as trans. I didn't know that meant you stopped a, a mass shooting at the mall. Is that heroic too? <clears throat> But then the Buffalo News goes on just to calm you down in case you were starting to feel masculine, in case any testosterone was being produced. They go on to say, it isn't common for mass shootings to be stopped in such fashion. In fact, fewer than 3% of 433 active attacks in the U.S. ended with a civilian firing back. It's so rare. <laughs> The only people have said that the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Well, that's factually inaccurate, according to like some criminal justice expert who's like from a university. <laughs> He's written books and research papers. Huh? He says it's rare. Yeah. So this 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 uh, whoever this guy is from this whatever university, this expert. He says, well, they say the only thing that stops a bad guy. Whoever said only? Nobody said the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. We may have said that, like, the quickest thing or the best thing to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. But we never said it's the only thing. <laughs> so they set up a straw man. They have this uh, someone from the university set up their straw man, and then they... They knock it down and then whatever. One thing we never said was that books and research papers ever stopped a bad guy with a gun. I can assure you we that's an axiom that has been borne out to be true. Unless he tripped over a book and accidentally shot himself. All right. I choked on a research paper accidentally while trying to reload. 
So I think that's more rare than a good guy with a gun, just so you know. We move there, uh, move from there into the widespread cowardice file, where we go to Uvalde, where police lieutenant Javier Martinez may go down as the bravest man at Uvalde. What did the bravest man at Uvalde do? He initially rushed on site, jumped out of his car, popped his trunk to put on his bulletproof vest. This is the bravest guy. The bravest guy, the first thing he did, popped the trunk to put on his vest. Then he proceeded toward the west side of the school, where another officer was fired at. He was fired at along with another officer. The other officer was struck in the ear by bullet fragments and ran away. The body camera footage captured him saying, we got to get in there. At which point Martinez began to advance on the classroom, but no other officers followed. And so Martinez didn't go in. They say that possibly if other officers had followed him, followed him in, he may have made it to the classroom and engaged, but he didn't. He eventually sheltered in place with all the other officers for over an hour. So that's as close to any of the, that's as close as anyone came to being brave on that day in Uvalde was the guy who stopped to get his vest and then kind of got afraid because nobody followed him in. And then they all waited for over an hour while the children were massacred. Very, very instructive of the state of masculinity in uh, the post-COVID, post-vax, post-St. George Floyd, post-Big Flinch world. Very instructive. Meanwhile, in light of the Dobbs v. Jackson decision, which I may just refer to as the Dobson decision going forward. And then you, Pete, you'll have to figure out what I'm talking about. You'll have to be clever. <laughs> okay. And you'll have to actually read and, I don't know, try to, uh, try to expand your brain around an artistic interpretation of something that's not just laid out in words emptied of all meaning that a lawyer could point to and say that are technically accurate, but there's maybe something a little deeper going on here. I don't know. But maybe I have to just spell it all out because everyone's so dumb anymore. From the personhood file, a West Virginia judge has temporarily blocked the state's pre-row abortion ban. At which point you stop, you're reading the article, and you wonder, how does the news media know that it's a temporary ban? I mean, if Roe was overturned and the right to abortion is no longer recognized by the Supreme Court, doesn't that mean that the laws against child killing are in fact in force? Why would this be temporary? Shouldn't overturning of Roe made the ban permanent? No. In fact, the assumption is any pause in abortion, of course, we know is not permanent because abortion has never been made illegal. That's not what Roe did. And we all know it. Come on. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Come on. Don't be radical. Anyway, over in Virginia, the state's only abortion clinic had suspended abortions out of fear of prosecution, wink, wink, under the state's 150-year-old abortion ban. But then a circuit court judge said that the clinic can operate again for now and start killing children again because 
Well, the trigger laws that were designed, uh, you remember the trigger laws that the pro-life industry sent out those fundraising letters getting you to write them checks so they could pass these trigger laws. As soon as Roe's overturned, we're going to be right there in place like tigers roar. We're going to be ready. We're going to make abortion illegal. Well, all the trigger laws, well, they're, they haven't really stopped anything. There's a temporary pause for a moment to hiccup. But the fact is, too many people don't want abortion stopped. Too many. I mean, even Alito and the pro-lifers. They all want a well-regulated environment of child killing. A reasonable compromise, state by state, on how we murder innocent people. Nobody's radical enough to say that anyone has the right to life. In fact, now that reminds me of a letter. I got an email. I'm the leader of the state personhood a chapter here in my state, and I got a letter. I got an email, as I have gotten a number of emails from people interested in what's happening with the effort to reestablish the personhood of the unborn person so they can be protected by the law like other people and have a right to life. Uh, this, this lady sent me a message asking, what can I do? Can I join your organization? And I, I wrote her back an email. I said, it appears the Supreme Court ruling in Dobbs produced two things certain. The overturning of Roe and the recognition by the federal judiciary that the several states and the people are authorized to legally deny the right to life to the unborn. The power to deny the right to life of the unborn has been specifically enshrined now in the opinion of the Supreme Court. This appears to be a setback for our efforts to establish the right to life in law. Um, now, I didn't leave her on a bond. I said, you know, we're thankful for the millions of conversations, the arguments, even the fights that the court decision is precipitating, causing people to think, talk, and even argue about the right to life is far better than the state of affairs, than the quiet apathy so prevalent beforehand. Ultimately, this battle is the Lord's, and one day the innocent will surely be avenged by him, and justice will be done. We will continue to work to make his justice the animating precedent in the hearts of men and in the law. Uh, but uh, anyway, I pointed out the reality that this is actually a setback. Because while the left, one of the reasons the left litigated Roe was because they knew that state by state they were legalizing abortion, but they didn't have a federal leg to stand on and they wanted one. And now, now they got Roe, which was a patch, and they murdered a hundred million legally. And then they ended up getting what they wanted. The federal judiciary actually said, you know what? You have the right to murder innocent people. You people at the state level, you decide how you want to do it. And so the left ended up getting what they wanted. The pro-life industry ended up with get what they wanted. They got what they wanted, which was a lot of money and the overturning of Roe. So that they could point to that and say, see, see, we overturned Roe. And now the states will regulate the murder of innocent people. Every state will regulate the murder of innocent people. And there will be no future positive point at which we can stop it. Legally, anyway, without... Well, let me just leave it at that. Legally and peacefully. There, will, there is no future point positive. There is no now future goal that we can set. Like we did with the overturning of Roe. Come on, we raised $50 billion. How can you argue with that?
I'm your host, Doug McBurney. Speaking of the hammer falling down, let's go to the profane religion file where we check in with the Republican Party in the state of Florida and the governor there, Ron DeSantis, where Breitbart reports this morning that he gave a speech at the, I don't know, the Florida Republican whatever conference of whatever. And... And over the weekend. And he said it's critical to be, quote, right. And uh, to stand up against the Brandon administration, he said. He called it the Brandon administration. He's got a big chuckle, a chuckle and a guffaw (laughs) from the Republican audience. And then after referring to the Brandon administration... He went on to say, you got to be ready for battle, so put on the full armor of God, he said, triggering a round of applause. Yes. He, He even talked about putting on the belt of truth buckled around your waist and using the shield of faith to protect yourself. And the crowd went wild. Anyway. I just want to say to Ron DeSantis, you should be careful about putting the name of God and Brandon in your mouth in the same speech. Let me just say that it tarnishes your credibility somewhat with those of us who actually know what's going on. I'm sure it helps him with the MAGA crowd. The MAGA crowd who are going to obviously save us from the from the godless hordes. All right. Um, So from there, we go into reason number 1,985 to get or keep your children out of the government schools. At least 121 K-12 through educators were arrested on child rape and molestation charges in the United States. That's just in the first six months of this year. That is about an arrest a day on average. One a day. Now, I know America is a big country, and I know that your school, the public school your kids go to, I know it's the best school, and it's got all the good teachers, the Christians, the strong Christians. But I just want you to know, reason number 1,985 to get your kids out of the government schools, about a teacher or an administrator or a principal a day is arrested for raping the children. So you take that for what it's worth. Do the math. Maybe you're, maybe you're a data guy and you just want to run the odds on whether or not your kid will be raped or molested. So, uh, anyway, all right. So we go from there into the decline and fall file. The decline and fall file where uh, Reddit banned the word groomer this past week, claiming that it's anti-LGBTQ. And then this got all the faggots upset. Because the faggots were like, wait a minute, are you saying that the word groomer only applies to us? That's offensive. (laughs) So Reddit tries to be nice to the queers, and the queers are now mad because Reddit implied that the queers are groomers. Why? Because the queers are groomers, and we've all known that. Since we ever became aware of queers, we knew what they were. So, um, anyway, groomer is often used, let's see, the article from the Post Millennial says, groomer often used to refer to someone who seeks to indoctrinate children in far-left gender ideology. Really? I thought groomer was because they groom children to molest and rape them. 
not indoctrinate them. I mean, yes, there's the indoctrination, but that's not really the main point, is it? Anyway, uh, the Reddit directive says that groomer use saying groomer to refer to LGBT people will result in removal from the subreddit, whatever that is, and possibly even a ban. Upon hearing the news, gays against groomers, <laughs> gays against groomers released a statement saying that listen. We're not all groomers. Some of us are just gay. We just like to use a lot of extra S's is all. The group suggested that by banning the term from their platform, Reddit was painting our community as a whole as those who support and engage in grooming. I mean, please. All right. The fact is, most of the members of Gays Against Grooming were actually victims of grooming themselves and were molested, raped, and defiled as children. So I guess they should know. And I'm sure not all... Uh, you know what? I don't even have to say it, all right? I'm just going to move on because that's kind of creeping me out. I feel like I need a shower. Penicillin shot. From there, we go to reason number 1,986 to get or keep your children out of the government schools. Uh, Los Angeles Unified School District, second largest school district in the country, is training teachers to introduce what Christopher Rufo calls, can I speak, sorry, LAUSD is training teachers to introduce radical gender ideology to children. That's according to Chris Rufo. Um, I don't appreciate the extra word radical. Don't need that. Gender ideology is all we need. If someone wants to introduce gender ideology for children, not only should they not be on the school board, they should be arrested. They should be in handcuffs facing trial. So that's not radical. In fact, it doesn't have to be radical. If you want to talk about sex to kids, you should be arrested. That's all. That's not a radical position, and we don't have to call them radicals. They're criminals. Chris. By the way, we need to keep our eye on Christopher Rufo. I appreciate all the work he does, but Christopher Rufo is likely to either become corrupted by what he's looking at or possibly go insane, and he needs to be careful. We need to watch Chris Rufo. I've known a lot of people who've become corrupted by simply looking at this all the time. In fact, even I, when I go to read the news, I get on websites where you're looking at a story where there's a lot of information of civilizational importance in the story, but then running down the side on a banner are half-naked girls. Tell me this isn't a, a conspiracy to destroy the masculinity of America. You're trying to read a story about how to save Western civilization and all the ads are trying to pull you onto a porn site. It's despicable. Anyway, uh, but back to reason number 1,986, LAUSD. Uh, their Human Relations Diversity and Equity Department. We have a department for that. Uh-huh. Their, their Human Relations, Diversity, and Equity Department is encouraging five-year-olds to experiment with gender pronouns, adopt non-binary gender identities, and the district requires teachers to use a student's desired name and pronoun and to keep the student's gender identity a secret from parents if the student so desires. 
So reason number 1,986 is a lot like reason number 1,985. Because of all the perverts who want to corrupt and molest and rape your child. That's one reason not to send them there. And that's a pretty good reason in my estimation. And I don't even think you need the data on that one. I mean, if there are only a few people in the building who want to rape and molest children and corrupt their minds, then I don't need to run the data. I'm not going to send my kids. That's all. Because my kids are just little kids. They're innocent. They're not hardened warriors who should be sent into the battle. They're innocent children. They should be protected from the battle. They should be kept from corruption. There should exist a hedge around them that you as the parent put up with the help of God. And if you allow that hedge to be torn down and you allow your children to be dragged out into the public square, into the, into the public square there in Sodom, will God help you? Or, or God will judge you, frankly. Um, so let's close. Should we close with... Uh, well, let's close on something a little more lighthearted. It's uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Cortez? Did I say that right? Alexandria... Um, I think she went by uh, Renee, right? Cortez? Something like that. Anyway, uh, she was uh, she put her hands behind her back as she was led away from a, on a, a, a protest for abortion. She was led away by a police officer and put her hands behind her back to imitate being handcuffed. That's right. Uh, she crossed her wrists behind her back. I saw this on video. Uh-huh. And then people called her out saying, hey, she's faking like she's being handcuffed. And now she's responded. She says the allegation that she faked being handcuffed is a conspiracy theory in order to distract people from talking about what's actually important, which is bodily autonomy. Uh-huh. She says, quote, if I was faking that, why would I intentionally fist pump someone? It's so silly. And then, of course, all of us who've actually been handcuffed during protests, we all wondered, yeah, why did you do the hand bump, the fist pump thing? Didn't, didn't you know that that would belie the fact that you were faking the whole handcuff thing? Is it possible that she just wasn't thinking clearly because of all the drugs she takes? I think that's possible. And then, is it also possible that she knows that she'll never be held to any standard by any of the drug-addled children who follow her on Instagram? I think there's a possibility of that. Is it possible that the fact that this woman isn't run out of town on a rail, a sure sign of the end of days? I think that's possible as well. It's also possible that that's the end of the show. I want to thank you for tuning in. That's it this week. I want to thank my friends at Real Science Radio and my other brother, Daryl, who may or may not be listening. He may actually have better things to do now that he's gone on to his reward in the great beyond. But we'll say hello anyway in case you're listening. And for you, well, should the Lord tarry, we'll return next week. And until then, may the grace of God go with you. And may the peace of Jesus Christ be upon you. <laughs>